JD Talking Sports, Thursday, January 12th, 2017. You know, this just feels like it's the same story all over again. The Knicks lose again. One in nine, their last ten. You know, they were up 17 at the half. They were up 13 in the fourth. 10 with 2 minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. G.J. McConnell scored on a spinning, off-bounce, 10-footer at the buzzer, faking out Carmelo Anthony. This happened after Porzingis airballed the three-pointer. They went down, bam, bam, bam. Knicks lose 98-97. Sixers improve to 11-25. The Knicks lose on the road. They're now 17-22. They come back, back-to-back tonight at home against the Bulls. But the good thing is, Jimmy Butler, who's averaging over 25 a game, he's not playing tonight. He's out with flu. The flu, he tried to play through it, and now he's out. Joakim Noah and Derek Rhodes, former team, they're playing tonight. Joel Embiid had 21 and 14 rebounds last night. Sixers 4-1 in the last five. D-Rose had 25 last night. Carmelo had 28. Just when he's one and nine the last ten, five games under. All right. All right, that's enough of that. And I found out that Rose was fined two hundred thousand dollars for missing the game Monday, the loss against the Pelicans and MSG. The Knicks used a code where they took one one hundred tenth of his sal of his twenty one million dollars salary, or roughly two hundred thousand. He makes twenty one million this season. Carmelo said after the loss that it's unacceptable. I don't even know what to say about this one. Either do I. <laughs> Unbelievable. They play the 19 and 20 Bulls tonight. I mean, that's the thing too. You know, I'm I'm listening to I'm, I'm, I was listening to Michael K on the way home. Oh, JD Talking Sports, drop the G on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Also, I'm on iTunes now. Love to love for you to rate me, review me, whatever. Love to hear from you. That's JD Talk, Talking Sports. Drop the G. And I'm talking, listening to Michael K today on the way home. And he brought up a good point, which I've said too. What is 41 and 41 going to do? If they a 7 and 8 seed, they're out of the playoffs right away. It's not like they're rebuilding for the future. Carmelo's complaining about his shoulder. Yeah, let him, let him get surgery. Let the season go under. And, you know, next year, there's some good guys coming out. I mean, they're, not, they're not probably not going to get Lorenzo Ball from UCLA, but there's good guys coming out. I'll tell you, even Josh Hart from Villanova. I know he's a senior, and they always now they they want these young kids. Josh Hart to me is poetry in motion to watch. I'd love them to get somebody like that. Get a good guy, something to build. That's what they have to build around these guys. And Carmelo's like want, doesn't want to go. He wants to, you know, he's making all this money. He's still got three years left on his deal. This is not going well, folks. You lose the Sixers away. That is ugly. And especially you're up 10 with 2.30 left in the game. you got to put that away. T.J. McConnell, no offense, hey. But T.J. McConnell should not be faking out Carmelo. And then Carmelo was looking at, like, what happened, you know, at the, like, I don't know, maybe he was asking for help, whatever. But Sixers aren't a good team. Come on. you got to win these games. And these are against teams, sub-500 teams. Now they got the Bulls tonight. They play the Raptors on Sunday. They have to play Monday. On Martin Luther King Day, it's not going to get easier. And I got some jet news, too. Leonard Williams is replacing Raiders defensive end 
Khalil Mack, who's out with an in- injury on the AFC Pro Bowl roster on a game that nobody's going to watch. But hey, congrats to Leonard Williams. First Pro Bowl, hopefully first of many. And they're also going to interview Broncos running back coach Eric Studsville, Eric Studsville for the offensive coordinator position, which uh, was previously held by Chan Gailey. He has been with the Broncos in 2010. Three coaches, McDaniels, Kubiak, Oh, wait, McDaniels, Fox, then Kubiak. Yeah, three head coaches already. And actually, when, when, they, when they let go of McDaniels, he was an interim coach in 2010. He went one and three. All right. I, I haven't heard anything about him. I feel, you know, I feel like there's tons of guys out there. I guess a lot of guys don't want to go into a job where they're going to be a sitting duck. You don't have a quarterback, whatever. You don't even know what you're going into. I think that's what they're going to have to pick right now. They're going to have to go for guys outside the box a little bit because any established guy right now is going to be like, who do you have? You don't have a quarterback. Yeah, Bryce Petty maybe. You have Christian Hackenberg, and maybe you're going to draft somebody. Also, the Nets play tonight. They play the Pelicans at home. Pelicans beat the Knicks Monday night, and the Nets have only lost seven straight, 8-29. and New York sports isn't getting that exciting. Now the Giants are out of the playoffs. Well, hey, baseball starts in another five weeks. Spring training, at least. We have that to look forward to, right? (laughs) And I found this uh, Andrew Brandt, uh, MMQB, Peter King site on SI, the part of SI.com. How about this? Postseason pay. Now, division wildcard teams, which this year was Detroit, Giants, Oakland, Miami, Seattle, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and Houston. They made 24000 The division winners in the wild card round made $27,000. So all the wild card teams made twenty four. You win that, you win 27000 Division round winners make 27000 this weekend. Conference champions make 49000 Super Bowl winner makes 107,000. Super Bowl loser makes 53k. Now, for a guy like Brock Osweiler who's making almost 1.25 million a game, that's not too much money. That's not even one tenth of his salary. And they said there's nothing in the future to change this payment policy for playoff games. And even and then I looked up practice squad players make contracted amounts every week their team is playing, but Teams that are in a buy, Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Pats, technically not paid for that week, that week in between last week's bye week. They did not get paid for that, technically. Now, practice squad players make for the 17 game season, this was, this was uh, I saw this September 2016, 117,300 for a 17 game season. And during the playoffs, they make a week 6,900. Not bad work if you can get it, but it isn't. It's all, you know, that, that roster changes all the time. I just thought it was kind of interesting. So Brock Osweiler has made, I guess he's made, he'll make 54000 Yeah, because they're in the conference, $54,000. But for a guy, now, a guy that goes all the way, let's just say he's a wild card team, 54, like $200,000 for postseason. I mean, yeah, that's a bump up for a guy that's on the on the bubble. That's some extra money. Baseball makes a lot more money. Yeah, baseball makes a lot. Yeah, that's another thing. I remember baseball with the cuts on each player was a couple hundred thousand dollars. NBA, too, is very high. 
NFL makes billions of dollars. Why is this number so low? Yeah, this is that's garbage. That is garbage. I'll tell you, when that next CBA comes up, it is going to get ugly, ugly, ugly. And the Chiefs, you know, it's interesting. You always hear about this players and guys that, you know, on the bubble or whatever, or, you know, guys start at a school, they go to a different school. Uh, Janoris Jenkins started off at Florida. He, he ended up having to finish up at an FCS school. And, and guys have to go from, you know, start off. It's interesting because I'm watching the documentary now, Last Chance You, which is out of a junior college in Mississippi. And it's tough to watch. I'm in the final episode. I don't want to give away too much plot, but some of these kids you could tell are really talented, but they're not. They're not at the academics at all. And I'm thinking, you know, they're barely going to class They're as it is. They're playing football. They're great football players. They're not academically inclined, and they have to get them eligible. I still remember Dexter Manley graduated from Oklahoma State without being able to read or write. And I look at some of these kids, and I know they're going to go play college football, but they're not even interested in going to class. I mean, they barely can. All they think about, hey, I want to go pro. I want to go pro. And they're going to, a lot of them, if they don't, if it doesn't pan out, they're going to be back doing the thing they were doing right before. And there was a story about, D, I think his name's DJ Law, this running back. Well, he grew up in a small town in Florida, and there was a kid who was a star player. who got a ride to Marshall. Ends up that something happens. He doesn't go to college, and he got killed like the next year on the street on a, on a street corner. And they showed highlights of him in high school. He's jumping over kids. He's doing spin moves. He looked like he looked like a, a, a pro football player in high school. I mean, he just was fantastic. And he was dead before he was twenty-one. I mean, it's, it's just it was it, it's it's terrible. And I, Tyreek Hill started off at Oklahoma State. He punched or he physically abusive with a pregnant girlfriend. He ended up having to finish up at Western Alabama where there wasn't much film on him. They said it was hard to evaluate. Spot player, had some return TDs. They said they didn't see the flash or burst he had at Oklahoma State. And one of the scouts said he thought projected him as a receiver, maybe a gadget guy in the NFL. This guy turns out to be a beast. And maybe also he was playing at a small school. He wasn't really pushed, and he was going through stuff. And he had his pro day, blew it up. You know, maybe it took him a couple years to get together. You know, maybe he needed a wake-up call. Who knows? Well, he got the wake-up call. He is a beast. And I know everybody's pissed off about the domestic violence. And, yeah, don't hit women. I agree. Ray Rice. Ray Rice isn't playing in the NFL because Ray Rice was already in the way down when that happened. If Ray Rice was still rushing for over 1,000 yards a season, being a productive player, yeah, it'd be something else. How about this? Rams named Sean McVay. Head coach, ex-Redskins offensive coordinator, youngest head coach in NFL history. He's 30 years. He's going to be 31 in a couple weeks. They decided to go young. They have been talking about him being ready for the NFL for years. Good for the Rams. But it's interesting. You know, you know, Tyreek Hill, he got a second chance, and he's making the most of it. And now today you hear the Chargers are moving to L.A. for 2017. They're going to play at StubHub Stadium which the LA Galaxy play, 
Now, the capacity there is 27,167. Yes, I, I said that again, 27,167. Then they'll play for two years there. Then they're going to share the Ram Stadium, which sucks. Now they're going to be just like the... Now we have two teams going to play in the same area, L.A. and East Rutherford, because really the Giants and Jets play in East Rutherford. They don't play in New York. It's the New York Giants, New York Jets. They play in New Jersey. And now we're going to have two teams in L.A., and they also put up a new logo, the, the Chargers, which they're bashing on Twitter. It does. It looks like the Dodgers logo. It's, it's ridiculous. And Dean Spano said, the chairman of the Chargers said, San Diego will always be a part of our identity. I don't know what that means. If it's part of your identity, then why aren't you there? And I know they said that the city wouldn't, they, they had to need two-thirds. They put a vote up this year, a referendum. They needed two-thirds. They got 40%. I don't know why they wouldn't build a new stadium. I, I think, and I know they, the city didn't want to spend the money. They were going to do a tax on the hotels and all that stuff. They didn't want to do it. Now they're going to lose a team. You've got two crappy teams now in L.A. Oh, I'm sorry. The Chargers did play in L.A. in 1960. Then they were in San Diego since 61. So you're talking 55 years or 50, 55, 56 years. I mean, that's crazy, right? 56 years. You got you you got the Chargers defense last year who gave up the fourth worst amount of points. They gave up 423 points last season. They're 4 and 12, 5 and 11 the last two years. Rams haven't had a winning season in 10 straight years. They just finished 4 and 12. 32nd in yards per play this year the Rams. 32nd in yards per pass. 31st in rush. NFL low 224 points scored. They punted 98 times. That's the second most in the NFL this year. And now the biggest metropolitan areas without an NFL team, San Diego now, 17th, St. Louis, 20th. Those two used to have teams. And Portland, 23rd, which never has an NFL team, but did have the USFL Portland Breakers. Go Breakers. And it's a huge TV market, and money talks, and bullshit runs the marathon. That's what happens. Uh, Thank you, Victor Mather from New York Times, for all that information. You know, I mean, you got two crappy teams in L.A. My cousin Teddy must be going crazy. Like, wow, i got to have to watch the Chargers. And the Rams, and then they're going to share a stadium. And San Diego's net worth is going to go through the roof now. And then it would look like the L.A. Dodgers logo. I mean, really? And they should have built them a new stadium. They should have built them a new stadium. They played Qualcomm, whatever you wanted to, yeah, it was called, uh, what was it called before? Oh, Jack Murphy Stadium, that's what it was called. I mean, it was decrepit. It's been decrepit for years. I don't know. They they couldn't get the tax. They couldn't. They wouldn't approve the tax. The referendum, all that stuff. And now they're without a team. And San, San Diego, they, those fans were loyal as shit. Loyal. Actually, a fan after it was announced, he egged the team headquarters. He was pissed. And the Raiders now are trying to second in a row. They're going to file for relocation. They want to go to Vegas, which is a small market. Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, get Oakland to Oakland, San Diego won't, won't build a stadium. These guys have money. NFL has money. Give them money to build a goddamn stadium. Why do the taxpayers have to pay it? Do something about it. These two teams should be there. Now they're going to have two. They need two teams in LA. Listen, you know they had the Rams and the Raiders, and they both left LA. Fans are they got a lot. You have you have the Dodgers, you have the Padres, you have the Giants, you have baseball, you have the Angels. 
You have the the Anaheim Ducks. You have the Los Angeles Kings. You have the Clippers, the Lakers. Plus, and you have USC, UCLA, you have Basque. There's a lot of a lot of stuff out there. If your teams aren't winning, which the Rams aren't, and the Chargers aren't, well, these teams could be leaving in a couple of years. Hey, the Portland Rams has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? And I did a little research on the Cowboys. Everybody's talking. It's funny. I worked at a school today, and one of the librarians, he was a huge Cowboy fan. He said, well, what do you think about the youth leading the team? You know, Elliot, and you have Dak Prescott, who they said is cool as a cucumber. And I wanted to look up. I said, well, I wonder what Tony Romo's record was when he was quarterback in the Cowboys. Two and four in the playoffs, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, 93 passer rating, over 61% completion, but two and four. And since they won the Super Bowl over over Pittsburgh in 1996, I think it was 27-17, and I won, Larry Brown made the two interceptions, won the MVP, and then went to the Raiders for all that money, and that was it. Well, I, I, I won. I had 7-7 seven, seven in the fourth quarter. I worked at Advertising Age, and I won the box. I won like $500. I was, at, I was a temp at the job, and they had a newspaper up, a company newspaper, and I, I get in the paper because I won 500 bucks. That was a great Super Bowl. Well, since then, since I won the Super Bowl, they're 3-8 and eight in the playoffs. Not that good. Tony Romo's never played in a championship game. He, he's, he's made it to, yeah, they lost both times in the divisional round. Well, I'll tell you, the game they lost to Green Bay, that was a Des Bryant touchdown. But they did lose to the Giants when they went on that run. They were five, they were 13-3 that year. They were heavily favored to win that playoff game. They didn't win. Did not win. And I think, you know, Elliott won with Ohio State. He won he won his championship with during a college football playoff. They beat Bama and they beat Oregon, and he was f- phenomenal. I mean, what did he go for? Like almost 240 in the championship game. He had a great championship game. And then Prescott played SEC football. I don't think these guys are going to get rattled. At all. And then the Falcons. I, I found some interesting stuff with the Falcons. Falcons use a CT grade. C for competitiveness. T for toughness. They scale from 1 to 9. Now they assign that, the scale 1 to 9, also in traditional areas, but and and in those traditional areas where they grade the players, they can have they can have a yellow areas within those categories, but not in the competitiveness, competitive competitiveness and toughness categories. These aren't learned traits. Now they first use this only with the players they have, but now they're using it on future players also. They're trying to create a culture. They want the players playing whistle to whistle and grading competitiveness. And in toughness, they want them to fight through the pain, battle through traffic, physical. You know, that's when the physical football, you get up and fight when they're knocked down. Devontae Freeman, the running back, high CT grade. Last year's first-round pick, the safety, Keanu Neal, also high CT grade. And free agent addition, the center, Alex Mack, high CT grade. And it also has helped them build the bottom of the roster because that's what Parcells win. That's why you have 53 players. The top of the guys... On the roster and the bottom guys in the roster, they all are going to affect you winning or losing games. And the competitiveness and the toughness, that leads to urgent type of football. And that is the type of football the Falcons want to be playing. I thought that was pretty cool. Competitiveness and toughness. 
and because they've been called a soft team, Dan Quinn is bringing that Seahawk toughness into the Falcons. Now, this is the thing. They're playing the Seahawks. Mr. Rawls, Thomas Rawls, only has rushed for 200 yards twice this season. First game he did it, they beat the Panthers 40-6. to Last Saturday, 26-6 went over the Lions, also went over 100 yards. Atlanta gives up 4.5 yards per carry. Now, if they get if they get Rawls going, they can keep Atlanta's explosive offense off the field. Remember when the Giants beat the Bills of Jim Kelly's Bills 2019 in the Super Bowl, they kept the offense off the field. And they still almost lost the game. If Norwood, you know, and that was a tough field goal to make, but they almost still lost the game. That's the thing. With these offenses, you have to keep them off the field, less opportunities, run the ball, time of possession, keep them off the field, anything's possible. I'm really curious to see how the Falcons are going to play. You know, I always, sometimes I feel like the bye comes at a bad time. These teams are playing well and they have a, the week off. They have a time to think. They're home, a lot of pressure at home. I guess we'll see. Now the Pats. How about this? Only four players currently on injured reserve. Last year, they had 19. The Seahawks have 16 players on IR. Texans, 13. Steelers have 12. The Chiefs, 10. Falcons, 9. Packers and Cowboys, 6. They also decided to to cut down on the IR that they went into every game in September, October this year, the Patriots, with less than a full roster. Opening game, Gronk and left tackle Nate Solder missed the opening game. Also, they pulled back the workloads at Edelman and Gronkowski. It didn't help with Gronkowski, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And it made me think the Patriots are kind of like the Spurs of the NFL. And they wanted to pace the guys because they wanted to get in the playoffs and everybody healthy. And they are. I mean, except for Gronkowski. But they got Martellus Bennett, who is, he's like, an, he's like a B-plus version of Gronk. But he's still better than I'm having anybody. And yeah, that's another thing. I'm really, I I don't think Texans have a shot. I just don't think they have a shot at all. Not with Brock Osweiler. And they they lost 27-0 with Jacoby Brissett quarterbacking. They didn't do anything in that game, that Thursday night game I watched. I don't see it changing changing now. How about this? All right. A little NBA. Russell Westbrook got his 18th triple-double of the season last night. They improved uh, the Thunder 24-16. They beat the Grizzlies 103-95. Grizzly fell to 24-17. He had 24 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists, 55th triple-double of his career, 18th in 40 games. Now they were comparing him to uh, the Big O, who's the only player ever to have an average of a triple-double for the entire season. That year in 61-62, he had 41 triple-doubles. And in 40 games, he had 24. So he's ahead of Russell's Westbrook's pace. But listen to this. Westbrook last year had 18 triple-doubles for the season. So he's already matched last season total. total. And it's interesting, too. The Thunder, when he has a triple-double, their winning percentage is over 83%. When he doesn't, it's 41%. Helps the team. How about that? And Houston got their nine-game winning streak ended last night. They lost to Minnesota 119-105 playing at the T-Wolves. Houston fell to 31-10, and which Mike D'Antoni, God bless you, doing a great job. <laughs> and Minnesota's 13-26 and after the win. 
Harden only had 33, six rebounds, 12 assists, playing like a beast. And Rick Rubio tied a franchise record with 10 point and seventeen tied his 17 assists that tied his record, franchise record. How about that? I thought that was pretty cool. It's amazing how James Harden just went with the program. It's like, okay, you know, I want you to handle the ball more often, and he's eating it up. I mean, they're 31 and 10. <laughs> Knicks are 17 to 22. Mike D'Antoni didn't work with the Knicks. It worked for a little bit. It worked in Phoenix. He found another group of guys that it works with. They don't play a lot of D, but I'll take 31 and 10 right now. I'll take it, I'll take it gladly. <laughs> and Victor Mather, New York, New York Times, gave me another grade. Ice Cube started the big three. It's a former pros are going to be playing a three-on-three basketball league, half-court basketball, AI. Allen Iverson is going to be a player coach. It's going to be a traveling league. All eight teams will head to a city for four mini games on same day. The games will always be on Saturdays. They're going to start the season June 24th and go through the summer because Ice Cube said there's nothing going on in the summer anyway. You know, TV coverage is still being worked out. Also, the team names, cities, etc. But some of the cities in the mix, Seattle, New York, London, and Toronto. And they're going to do player intros boxing style. They could use me. I'd be a great person to introduce the players. And the eight teams will draft five-man squads at the end of March. That's tentatively set right now. There's going to be no game clock. First team to 60 wins. Now, beyond the three-point line on the half-court floor, there'll be three circles. If you have at least a foot in there, it's going to be, called, it's going to be a four-point play, which I like. Now, the minimum age is 30 in the... In Big Three, Roger Mason Jr., the former NBA player, is going to be the commissioner. He's the commissioner. Guys that are involved now are Kenyon Martin, former number one pick, Rashard Lewis, Mike Bibby, Chauncey Billups, and Jermaine O'Neal. They have all said they're going to play. I think they're going to try to get Kobe, Shaq. I don't think Kobe would do that. <laughs> no. I think Kobe would be like, thanks, but no thanks. And Auburn will not interview Art Bryles for the offensive coordinator job because of his role in the sexual assault scandal of Baylor. Are we shocked? He is, he, he's, he's a genius. But are we shocked? No. And, you know, I love hearing this. I, I love Bo Jackson, too. I love, he's a hell of a player, but he said he would have never played football if he knew about all those head injuries. Yeah. I just feel like it's all these guys saying they never would have played. Some of these guys, they're like, you know, this is my opportunity out. Not of them. Go- That's the thing. Not everybody can play basketball. They're not tall enough, and it gives them a better life. I don't know. I, I mean, they had to. I, I know they did all the testing, but you had to think something was up. It's a, you know, when the sport first started without any helmets, people were killed. People died every game. It's come a long way. I don't know what to say on that front. I feel like, okay, you know. Yeah. I feel like, okay, good point. Valid point. You're not happy. But I kind of feel like Yeah, you know, it renders me speechless in a way because I feel, I guess, the older generation. But the kids now are still playing. That's the thing. Kids now, all these kids playing now know what they're getting into. But 
they look at it that it gives him a better life. And it, give, it gave Bo Jackson a great life. Would he have stuck with baseball? I'll tell you, he had a lot more. I thought he was a much better football player than baseball player. He was a good baseball player, but he was a phenomenal football player. He, I still remember that Monday night game against the Seahawks where he 90-yard, that Monday night game, not even blowing over Bosworth. That He had a 90-yard run. He just, he was, when he would take off, it was beautiful to watch. He was like a stallion going down. All right. Enough on that. And Alex Ovechkin last night got his 1,000th and 1,000th and one point in his NHL career. They beat the Penguins last night 5-2. Seven straight win for the Capitals. Scored 35 seconds into the game. And he's the only player to score 20 goals in every season since 2005-2006, which happened to be his rookie year. And he also recently passed... Maurice the Rocket Richard. I read a book on him when I was a kid on the career goal list. And I like this stack. The Caps are a NHL best 22-3-3 when he scores first. Now, Ovechkin this year is 21 goals, 14 assists, 35 points. They're one point behind the Columbus Blue Jackets at 27-9-5 with 59 points. And they're two points ahead of the Penguins who have 57 points in the Metropolitan Division. But I want, let's... This is where I want to put this in perspective. He is 29th on the goal list of Vetchkin with 546. Gretzky has 894. That is 348 goals difference. And then Gretzky is number one on points with 2,857. That is 1,856 ahead. That's what's amazing. That's how that's how great Wayne Gretzky was as a hockey player. Where Ovechkin's 11th year in the league has had this amazing career and it means and it's it's great I'm not trying to diminish that but that's how good Wayne Gretzky was 92 goals in a season I mean I mean I used to watch him he made me watch hockey I remember when they had a cartoon it was Bo Jackson Jordan and Gretzky had this this channel for it wasn't that good but I watched it he he brought he brought hockey to the he expanded hockey to the West Coast. He made it. It made it a big thing in L.A. He made it made hockey in Florida. It was because of Gretzky. But congratulations, Alex Ovechkin. Now all you need is that ring. Every year they have a great regular season. They don't do it in the postseason. All right. Now there was a trivia question. Yes. What was our trivia question? Trivia question from last show. Okay. What three tight ends led their franchises in receiving yards? Ozzie Newsom with the Browns. Tony Gonzalez with the Chiefs. Antonio Gates with San Diego. Now, Jason Witten is 17 yards away from taking over the Cowboys. Okay. Today's trivia question. What is the NHL record? I'm sorry. What is the NFL record for most consecutive division titles? What is the NFL record for most consecutive division titles? Folks... Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's JD Talking Sports. Drop the G. Also on iTunes. Love you to rate me, review me. Love to hear from you. All right. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. Peace out.